this year, I got this opportunity to, um, like, there was a, a girl that worked in the same place that I worked with, and she um, was interested in God, atheist, and, you know, asked, like, we started having conversations, and I felt like the Lord was like, I want you to go through, go through the book of John with her, and so one day I was like, okay, I'm, I told Andrew, I'm going to tell her today, and she goes, you know, I, I, I talked to my husband, her husband's a Christian, and he said, I, she, he, he said he felt like I should talk to you and ask you to help me to read the Bible. And I was like, whoa, crazy, crazy cute. So, so we went through the book of John. And what has happened through that is this has kept unfolding. But I think I, I don't know how many people this year I've gotten to go, to, go through the book of John with quite a, quite a number of people and, and from, different, from different walks of life. And, and so the idea of that is not that I'm coming to the table to inform them of who Jesus is, but actually Jesus himself is coming to the table in the word. Because how many of you believe he speaks through us? Like God is the best revealer of God, even better than, even better than me. And uh, <laughs> God is the best revealer of God. And so this, this year, it has really just taught me a lot about the way the Lord forms people as I'm watching him form people with, with less and less of my input and more and more of his input. Um, so the, the desire was to put these groups together so that we could do the same thing, that we could care for each other, that we could read the word, that we could lead each other, encourage each other, and help each other find the food of God, which is his words that we feast on. And, and so um, that's how we kind of ended up getting these, you know, pulling these groups together. And I've talked to some different people who've given me, like, man, this has been really transformational. And some have had, had different experiences. And we, we just felt like um, we prayed about it. And we felt like that the Lord wanted us to extend the time that we were doing these shepherding groups. And so at the end of this, we're going to have a workshop, which I'm about to talk to you about. And if, you, if your group wants to continue, we're going to try to touch base with all the groups and give them the possibility to continue. And if you weren't a part of a group or if you know somebody that wasn't a part of a group, they can be brought in and put into a new group or we'll, we'll figure out how to organize it. But what we're going to do on August 6th we're going to take less than 90 minutes on a Saturday, August 6th. My wife is not in here. I wanted to confirm it was Saturday. I'm 90% sure. She, she Do what? Okay. On August 6th, we are going to take 90 minutes, and we are going to examine, like, the idea of shepherding, how we care for each other, especially in this sort of format. And I'm also going to jump a little further in to how God will use this gift to help you care for those and lead those to Jesus who aren't, um, who aren't currently following Jesus. And so we're going to take that time as sort of a tune-up. We'll try to give some input on best ways to use, do simple things like Marco Polo, how to engage, like, and try to be a little bit of a pep rally, rah-rah. If, if you're not doing it, get, you know, get pepped up. Um, but we're going to we're going to uh, 
to do that, that workshop. And it's not gonna, last year we did a wayfinding workshop, which was an extended writing time. That was a several hour thing. This is not gonna be that. This is gonna be um, a pretty quick two session thing and we'll be, we'll be on our way. So August 6th, put it on your calendar. Um, th this, uh, I, I've shared this story, but I have to keep sharing it to keep contextualizing where I'm at and where, where our body's at implicitly. Um, this, this last year, I had, um, I asked, maybe it was two years ago, I'd asked the question of the Lord, when is my worship most genuine to you? I know I've told you this. And I, heard, and I heard the Lord instantly say to me, when you shepherd my people. And I was, it was just not, it was a surprise. It wasn't what I expected the Lord to say. Maybe I expected like Mary sitting down, like pouring the perfume. Or, but what I heard the Lord say is, when you shepherd my people. Immediately, my attention was drawn to John 21, where Jesus interacts with Peter. And Peter um, he, he asked Peter this question, do you love me? Three times he asked him the question, do you love me? And he says, feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. And to, to this response of do you love me? And so what came out of this was when I got to November, I write a, we, Andrew and I try to listen to the Lord for a focus for our family and a focus for how God's wanting us to lead intentionally in our community. And we try to roll this out to all of our staff for everybody. Everybody has their roles. Um, but, but beyond our roles, we want to have what is that God specifically calling us to lean into. And, and so I ended up writing mine as I want to help people shepherd people well. Simple focus. And ended up becoming, I've decided to make it a two-year focus, not a one-year focus. And so I had, I don't think I've talked about this publicly, but if I have, forgive me. I had decided I was going to write a manifesto on shepherding, how you shepherd people well. Um, first of all, manifesto, somebody brought it up the other day. Not a good word to be using right now because, <laughs> anyway, we'll just move on from that. But, but um I was going to write this. My goal of writing this was to discover my own thoughts about what God, the way that God has called people and me to lead people through by shepherding them. So my goal wasn't, I mean, I wanted it to, you know, to people in our community to be able to read, but my number one goal was, was discover my own thoughts. And um, there's, there's one thing that, 13 years of, of preparing your thoughts every week for people to hear is that teaches you is that you know less than you think you know and about anything you're talking about and everything you're talking about. And so, like, I was approaching it with this idea of, like, I need to really do some deep digging. And I need that sort of structure of writing to, like, take me, like, I'm not, like, I can read a lot. And, and discover, but like if I have structure to run within, I can go further. And so this is, this is why I did this. So I went to my friend to ask him to help me to do the writing. And I said, hey, could you help me put the structure? I know you have a little bit of experience on this. And he was like, sure, yeah. I'm going to tell you something. This is a little bit of story. And once again, if, I've, if I'm rehashing this, just live with it. It's okay. Um, when I 
when I asked my, my friend to help me, and he was like, oh, I don't know, maybe. Yeah, sure, I can help you. And, and uh, I wanted to pay him something. He's another pastor in, in the area, and I, and I know like he's been driving Uber. He does all sorts of things to get by because it's, you know, it, like pastoring doesn't fully sustain. So I was like, hey, can you help me? He's like, I don't know. He's kind of like super humble guy. He's the most well-read person I know. So I was just like, I knew, I just knew he could help me. Pretty structured guy. And uh, so he said, sure, yeah, let's, let's try and see how it works. What he didn't tell me, which I didn't know about him, was that for years he worked for a company consulting writers, ghostwriting, and helping them put together books. So I'm like, dude, that would have been like helpful whenever you were throwing out all the I can't help you stuff. Um, but it was like the, the, the person that Lord highlighted to me like had this gift. And I was like, oh, sweet. So God, you're in this. And so um, he had me write a prompt. And I, he, he, he looked at the thing and he said, he said Jordan, I think this is, a, this is a book. This is, this is clearly a book. Like you have a lot here. There's a lot in scripture on this. You have a lot here. You should write a book. And so, um, I haven't talked about it as much until recent weeks, but I, I did start out writing a book. 7.30 to 8.30 every day I write. And I'm like, I'm in chapter five now. So, pretty, pretty fun. And um, it, uh, what I can tell you is that God has just been really deepening me and me a personal conviction that he has called us as Christians to feed and care for his sheep. He has called us as Christians to feed and care for people's lives, to help lead them to him. And I think it's something that our community will, can and will carry deeply. And so that's why we keep like, feels like we're awkwardly throwing in shepherding into titles, then there's a reason for it. Like, because we're wanting to build a bigger picture of how God can um, work in our community. And one other thing that I might mention, but I, I have mentioned in the past, is a friend of mine who's the, like what I would call the most accurate prophetic person that I've just been in proximity with. He, he called me one day last year and he said, I see, what I see is that God is going to give your community the gift of pastoring. And so, so anyway, pastoring comes from shepherding. They're basically the same word in scripture, pasture, pastor, so, um, so anyway, that, that's what, where I've been, and the, the reason I feel like that that question is so, like, I asked that question to the Lord, and I feel like I've never asked it before exactly that way, but how many of you have asked a question like this, like, God, when am I being true to you, like, what, you know, the way it came out to me is, when is my worship most genuine to you? And what it came out of for me is a, a desire for me to know how I trust God and how I live a life that's pleasing to Him. And it's like, I don't know if this is like this for you, but I feel like I'm constantly going, God, I just want to make sure, like, we're, you know, we're on the same wavelength. Like, I want to be pleasing to you. I want to live the life that you've called me to. And I want to trust you. And so Romans 12, 1 and 2, I'm not even going to preach on this text, but it has something to say about this. It's just, this is like classic like text that many of us know. Um, it says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's 
mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Paul says our true and proper worship is that we offer our bodies as a living sacrifice. That's a little bit bigger than just shepherding. But do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you'll be able to test and approve what is God's will, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. And what I, what I realize in reading this text is that when we offer who we are as worship, holy as a living sacrifice. Like, like when the sacrifice would go on the altar in, in Leviticus, there are a whole lot of like phrases where it basically says it burns the whole dang thing up. But when we live that way, when we live completely as a sacrifice, willing to be entirely consumed by God in whatever we bring to the table, um, what happens is that we gain out of that a discernment to know his will. When we live, when we live in a place of, of just total trust, total sacrifice, unsurrender, and worship, it's not only a gift to God, it's a gift to us. Because we learn how to discern what he, you know, who he is. And how many of you have ever, like, I'm, I'm, so I'm in this chapter five in the book, and, and I'm like, how did I get here? Like, like I'm, I'm like almost halfway through. I'm like, what, I didn't even, wasn't even wanting to be right. I mean, this was just, I just got here. How many of you have ever gotten somewhere in life where you're like, how did I even get here? Sometimes I do that driving. Like, <laughs> how many of you have ever, like, you, like, drive 10 minutes. You're like, whoa, how did I get here? And I feel like I'm like that sometimes, sometimes in life that, like, we are just sort of more than we give credit for. We're just sort of flowing along, you know, and, and we're not like, we think, we kind of imagine ourselves as being very calculated, being very determined and strategic. But when a lot of, when people are honest, life is a lot of just kind of taking one step. How many of you relate to what I'm saying? And what I've learned in writing this, this book is that I've learned maybe more about what it means to be a sheep than a shepherd. And because we cannot lead others, right, if we don't follow God. We cannot lead others unless we're those that are listening. I, uh, we were in Hawaii a couple weeks ago, and there was this big graffiti on this old building that is like, if you're driving to where all the hotels are from the airport, you're going to pass this this building. And on the, on the wall, it says, you are all sheep. And is this not like implied in a positive way? It's more of the negative connotation, the sheeples. And when I was reading that, I was looking at, I mean, I'm, I'm like, I've been writing this thing. And I was like, looking at that, I was like, we are all sheep. Like, <laughs> that guy is right. <laughs> and because here's the deal, guys, like, we, th we like to think of ourselves as these autonomous, independent agents who make all of our decisions of free will and sound mind, unaffected by anybody else, but all of science and psychology would say that is not true. 
We are deeply affected by those that we follow, by those that we listen to, even of our need to reject them or accept them. Like, we're, I, Jesus chose sheep as a metaphor. It's, it's kind of a good one for us if we're honest about ourselves. I love what Bob Dylan sang in his first gospel album. He's, he's saying, uh, you got to serve somebody. You know, he's like, it may be the devil, it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. And like, that is the way it is with all of us. All of us in life serve somebody. We follow people. We're sheeple. We just embrace it. We, this is who we are. I'm not saying that we don't have a degree of sovereignty and autonomy that God has given us, but it is not entirely that, that we are this way. Does this make sense? We, we will follow a master whether we like it or not. We will follow a master whether we like it or not. We may try to you know, explain that to be that we are our own master, but at the end of the day, we will follow a master. So I'm going to read briefly a passage out of Matthew 25. This is actually not in the book, but it's about sheep. And it's actually by far not the main point. It's a, it's a tiny detail of this passage, and it is not the main point. I will give you context of the passage so that you have the main point. I try to do this because I, I feel like sometimes people just make Scripture do whatever they think they want to do with it. And so if I'm making a detail point, I'm going to tell you like the main context. But it's in Matthew 25. And, but even though it's a tiny detail, I think it's a key, it's something that I feel like the Lord is highlighting, at least to me right now, like there's a prophetic moment about this. And Revelation 2 and 3, seven times in a row, it says, He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. I believe that God has things to say to communities. And, and as spiritual or as mystical as that may sound, like you didn't, you, you came here in, as a part of God's journey in your path. You're here for, for now, a season, a long time, I don't know, but you are here. And God speaks not just to individuals, he speaks to communities. That's, that's clear to me. And I feel like this, is, this idea of being a sheep, is, which I'll explore, I think is a, it's like a prophetic thing for the moment. And so in Matthew 25, it's speaking about the judgment of God. And I'm going to read a text. Right after this text, Jesus goes on to say these famous words He's, where he says, you fed me. Um, you came and visited me in prison. You clothed me. You did all these things. How many of you, this sounds familiar. And then the disciples are like, I love, <laughs> I love sometimes reading the disciples' responses to things. It's like, I feel like somebody could make a comedy show. They're like, when do we do this, Lord? <laughs> and so he says all these things. He's like, when did, we, when did we do all those things to you, God? I don't remember visiting you in prison. And he says, you did this when you did it to the least of these. And so the, this is the main, the main point of this text is that God is calling the Christians to find him by caring for and being with the suffering. But before that, when he's talking about his judgment, here, here is what he says. Um, he says, when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him. I love that picture. Like, can you imagine all the nations will be gathered before him and will separate people from one another as a shepherd separate, she, separates 
the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And, like, I'm going to talk to you a moment about, I want to talk to you about the difference between sheep and goats for a moment. And it's important because when we read this text, I honestly, I've never given much thought to the text. We aren't shepherds right now. Like, I don't know any of you who's, like, taking care of animals out in the field. But this, this culture of people would have an understanding of the pastoral life. And so, so there would be instant understandings based on, based on their awareness of the time. Like, if I told you that God's going to separate people to the right and the left, the dogs on the right and the cats on the left, you would immediately know what I meant is that dogs are dumb and that got dog, you know, that cats are dumb and that dogs are good. I mean, that's just because you guys, we have dogs and cats and everybody who has a dog knows that they love them and they, they, they want to help them and they want to follow them and cats just want to go do whatever the heck they want to do. So if Jesus were to say, like, I'm going to separate the dogs over here and the cats over here, we would all be like, that makes dogs, that makes sense. Um, but, alas, we don't have that in our culture. So, so if, if you were shepherding, you would have possibly had both goats and sheep in your pasture. They separate them at night, um, like, for various reasons. One of the reasons in the wintertime is that goats don't have a lot of fur, and sheep do, and goats need to be warmed a little more than, than sheep do. And so they, they require a different kind of um, attention. But one of the most striking things as I'm trying to read this passage and understand what Jesus might have been saying, and I'm not saying this is the main point once again, but I am saying this is, this is true of sheep and goats, is that sheep, um, goats, sheep are, are uh, grazing animals. They come to a pasture that the shepherd leads them to, and they eat there. And goats are partially grazing animals, but they're also foraging animals. They'll go grab, like, they'll go climb up a mountain and grab a bush, you know. Like, if you've ever, I've known people that had goats. Like, if you come home, a goat might be on your house. They might be on your car. Like, goats are a little smarter, more independent than, than sheep. And they go, food, they go find food sometimes wherever the heck they want to find food. And sheep, like, they tend to follow their master, like, like, and when they get lost, this is one thing I've learned about lost sheep. When sheep get lost, it's not because they're, it's, it's like, uh, you know, they got lost along the way. It wasn't, you know, this anger thing. They, you know, they really got lost. They're dumb animals, and they follow their shepherd, and they graze where the shepherd leads them. And there's two tensions. There's a tension between two truths in the kingdom. This is what I feel like is, is, prophetic thing, is that on one side, God has a relationship with you and he has blessed you um, in life to be able to go out and to serve him and to flourish and to trust him in whatever you do. I, I, I remember one time listening to a pastor say something that was, that was wise, that could not be universally applied, but is wise. He said, somebody was asking him, should I be a missionary, or should I be a business person? And he was like, well, I don't know, pick one and serve God. And I think there's a lot of liberating truth to that, right? Like, how many of you have gotten, like, locked up, like, over, I, I heard somebody call this one time green light syndrome, 
where they need an exact word for every single thing they do to be able to do anything and go any way forward, that can be, that can be harmful. So there's this one tension that God is with you. And when Israel went into the promised land, he said, go and I will be with you. So that's one part. But let me talk to you about another part is that we actually are supposed to inquire and ask of God his opinion and his thoughts about everything we do. And I feel like for me, God is speaking to me more right now about what it means to be a sheep and to like literally like be keyed in on his voice for everything I'm doing. For every every place I go and graze, for for things I do in my work, for things I do um, with my kids. Like I'm trying to ask God something about everything and be in this place of constant inquiring of God so that I know his mind. And I feel like the Lord to me is highlighting this aspect of truth. Let me read to you John 10, 1 through 3, because Jesus gives us this this talk about sheep. He says, very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep by by the gate, but climbs in some other way, is a thief and a robber. Watch this. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. When, When the shepherd shows up, like, the robber can't lead the sheep away. They're not going to know his voice. But when the shepherd shows up, the sheep know his voice and they, and they follow him. This is, what, this is what we read Romans 12, 1 and 2 earlier. As we present our lives as a living sacrifice, the ultimate end of that is that you will be able to do what? Test, discern what is God's good will, good, pleasing, and perfect. So this is what happens for sheep. They know his voice. They know his voice from the robber and they can follow him. And I think, I believe that right now, like goats are independent and they're resourceful. They can go get what they need, you know, even if the shepherd can't help them. They actually are smarter. Sheep blatantly follow the shepherd. And I feel like it's like the word is right now that we aren't, God's not calling us to be, he's not calling you or me to be resourceful. He's calling us to be trusting. He's not calling you to be great at figuring out your way. He's calling you to actually trust his voice. And I I actually believe that God wants to lead us in much more detail than we even think is possible. How many of you would like God to lead in details? Like, I really believe that. There's a story that we read in our um, scriptures readings the last, I think it was a maybe seven or eight days ago. And there's this, I won't read the whole story, but there's this other nation that is in the promised land. And, you know, God's, what he told Israel was go into the promised land, kick out everybody else, live here. I'm not, this is not a morning to talk about the ethics and debate of violence like this. I don't, don't care about that topic this morning. What I, what I care about is what the scripture tells us is that Israel was supposed to go into the promised land. They were supposed to kick out the other people because they were supposed to inhabit this place alone. And so this other nation had heard about all the wondrous things that God had had done. And they were like, all right, let's do this thing. Let's get our old food. Let's get our old sandals, our old clothes. 
And let's, make, let's go over to these guys and make a treaty and make it look like we've come from really far away. It's a pretty, pretty awesome move. So they show up, and it says, it says that they tasted the food, that they examined things, they did all this, and they made a decision that they had, since they were from very far away, that they could make a treaty. And what it says in John, or excuse, not John, Joshua 9.14, it says, The Israelites sampled their provisions, but did not inquire of the Lord. It says they sampled their provisions, but did not inquire of the Lord. Um, they made an evidence-based decision and not a spirit-based decision. You cannot find your way to flourishing with God in life by making purely wise evidence-based decisions. I'm not saying that we should throw away wisdom. I'm not saying that we should throw away reason or logic. I'm not saying that we should throw away these things. I'm saying that the most important thing that we nail is that we're willing to trust in God and to listen to His voice. Like that, that is, that's it. And I think the position that God is calling to is not one of ignoring reality, but inquiring of God about all things. Like, you're, you're a sheep. That's what you are. There are other passages that say you're royal, you're, you know, you all those things too. But right now, this morning, you're sheep. And, and that is like a humbling picture. It's a picture of dependence. It's a picture of not being infinitely wise. It's a picture of not being independent, not being autonomous, not being smart. If you've ever been around, I've seen sheep before. And, and not been around them a bunch, but they are dumb animals. And we, you can, all of you can reason that your, lim your logic and wisdom is fairly limited in the scope of things. But if we are willing to listen to his voice, we, we can flourish. We can worship Him genuinely. We can do as Romans 12, 1, 2 says, we can discern and test what is His will, good, pleasing, and perfect will. Re recently, Andrew and I had this discussion where we, we've kind of been one carring it for a, for a while. And that creates some, some logistical complications, we'll say. And, and so we had this like long discussion and what it came down to was, I said, here's the deal. Like, it does not make sense in our budget, it does not make sense in our budget to have a car payment. That's, that's, that's the math. We could, we could push it and we would be close. But, and so I was like, I don't, like, that does not give me peace. I don't like, you know, I was like, but if God wants us to have something, I was like, I want him to show me exactly the vehicle that he has. And this, so we just sat down, and I was like, for right now, God may change the wisdom, but for right now, I'm not going to buy a car. What, where we, what we feel peace about is I'm not buying a vehicle until he shows me exactly the way he wants to lead forward. 
Now, I'm not saying that I do that with every decision. I'm not saying that I, that I, um, I don't hand tie God with every decision. Does, does that make sense? But in this situation, I feel like the Lord is like, he's calling me to be sheep. And this is, this is what I'm doing. I'm saying, God, I'm waiting on you because I believe he wants to lead in detail. His sheep listen to his voice. Like, God is not just, sometimes we get the illusion that the Christian life is purely around being shaped into the character of, of Jesus, which that's a huge part of it. That, that when we have the character of Jesus, when we're loving enough, when we're kind enough, when we're patient enough, when we're wise enough, that through that character being shaped in us, we will be able to determine the good, pleasing, and perfect, you know, we'll be able to determine what is right. But it's not just the character that leads us, it's the presence that leads us. Like, we're not just being shaped into his character, we're, shaped, we're being shaped to be with him in his presence, because it doesn't matter if you lived 10,000 years on this earth and the whole time you grow in the, in the, into the image of Christ, you still are dependent upon the shepherd to lead you. Even the wisest are still dependent upon him. How many can say amen to that? John Wallace came a few weeks ago and talked about trust. And so I wanted to write a prayer. I, I wrote a trust prayer that I wanted to pray every day. And I, trusting in God, how many of you desire to trust God in life? So I desire this, but what I wrote before I wrote my prayer was, I don't want to just trust you in sentiment. I want to trust you in practice. Because I feel like a lot of times when people talk about trusting God, it's sort of a sentimentality of trusting God. Like, I have a feeling of trust right here in my chest. But, like, I don't want to just trust him in sentiment. I want to trust him in practice. And so I wrote this prayer, and I'm just going to read it to you. But this is kind of where my, my heart, head has been up. I've been trying to read this prayer daily. And it says, Lord, help me to trust you with all my heart. I trust you with all my heart. I kind of, I'll stop and say, I kind of go back and forth with saying, God, I, please help me. Because, <laughs> like, I'm not always trusting him with all my heart. And then, de then declaring something. And so I'm just going to read it to you. But, Lord, help me to trust you with all my heart. I trust you with all my heart. Help me to lean not on my own understanding. Your ways are higher. My understanding is limited. Show me how to acknowledge you in all my ways. I acknowledge you everywhere in all my ways. Direct my paths. You are directing my paths. Even as I devise my ways, direct my paths. Lead me in following your path. Your path is clear. Your path unfolds day by day, week by week, year by year. I trust you to lead me this day. I trust you not just in sentiment, but in practice, day by day, as you lead me by your spirit. I submit to be led by your spirit this day. I submit to trusting you in all things, through all things, and above all things. You are most trustworthy. I choose to trust you today. Lead me, O oh God, in your paths. You are leading me. So I, I wrote this because I don't want to just trust God in sentiment. I want to trust him in, act, in action. And for me, the action that I feel most 
called to right now is to inquire of God of everything. And he, and, and he, I know he gives me, like, he gives us peace to move on, to make decisions, not to sit there waiting for God's green light for every single thing in life. But I'm going to ask him about everything because I, I want to be a sheep. Um, okay, I want to read this last statement uh, to, from Paul to finish from this book of Romans. In Romans 15, 13, we read this a couple days ago. It says, may the God of hope fill you with all peace and joy, all joy and peace in believing so that by power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. In other translations right there say trusting so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Um. I really love the way this this scripture reads. He, Paul is saying it to these people. And what he's saying is, God is the God of hope. He wants you to have hope. Hope is something, scripture says, that we hope for things that we do not see. It's not a hope at all if you hope for what you already have. But here's what he says. Here's what the God of hope, who wants to give hope, says he will do if if you trust him. He says, I want to give you, I want to give you Peace and joy. I want to give you peace and joy. And so peace and joy are like these things that the God of hope gives us that we can come at rest in the moment. I'm hoping for greater, but I'm right here right now accepting like I have joy and peace. Not for what might happen whenever I'm, whenever I'm awesome, but I'm joy and peace right here right now exactly where I'm at. And these are the things he wants to give to us so that we may have hope. Um, Jesus makes this statement. He says the, the religious leaders are trying to trip him up on the Sabbath and whether we should do things on the Sabbath. And Jesus says, the Sabbath was not made for man, but not, or the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So what Jesus is telling them is, all of my commands that I've given you, they weren't, you know, you, they weren't made, um, golly, the wording of this is tripping me up. The man was not made for the commands, but the commands were made for man. He's saying, what he's saying is all of my law, my commands, my ways, they're a gift to you. They're here to flourish you. They're actually here to bring you life. You aren't made for them. They're made for you. Like, they're the gift for you. It's, it's actually really funny because the Sabbath as a gift to Israel is something that's very, very central to their practice. Like, like if you talk to Jewish people today, Sabbath is one of the things that's most practiced still. And they did Sabbath in lots of different ways. They rested at holidays. But there's something really interesting to me that, that is just in Scripture, is that they, they were called to let the land rest every seventh year. And what we've come to know, at least to my understanding of talking to people in agriculture, is that if you let, when you grow a crop out, it takes out nitrogen out of the soil. 
And what some farmers do is they do crop rotation, like soy will put nitrogen back in the soil. But if you, if you study like soil dynamics, letting the crop, letting the land rest every seven years is actually like this pretty ideal flow. It was like scientifically ideal for letting nitrogen replenish the soil. And so what we've done the last 50, 100 years is we, we fertilize soil. And, and so a lot of land, it cannot like recreate now its own nitrogen. And it's creating all of these ecological problems in our, in our, um, in our land, in our ecosystems. And, and so now what we're having, I'm, just, I'm going somewhere with this. Now what we're having is that governments, like Canada the other day just decided we're restricting uh, like 30% less fertilizer, which is literally going possibly could cause famine in the world because the land can't produce without it now. And like we, we are, like we have issues with fertilizer in our supply chain that, that could cause famine in different parts of the world. And if all we had done is let the land rest, God's faithfulness would be seen. Like, how profound is that? That the, the, the commands, we aren't made for the commands, the commands are made for us. And all of creation, all of life, will remind us in some way or another that it's God we need to trust. That no matter how smart we get, no matter how wise we get, no matter how much we think we understand about life, we need to be sheep trusting so I look at like peace and joy. Imagine I'm like nitrogen in the soil. When you trust him and you let your heart rest in peace and joy, you, you want to follow his voice, you're at rest. You're not needing, you're not lacking, like he's enough. Hope, like a plant that's meant to nourish and bring life, Hope can grow. Trust will produce peace and joy. Peace and joy will allow hope to grow. Um, and we'll read it again. There's a lot of ties there. Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all peace and joy in believing or trusting so that the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. And I just believe that God wants us to be trusting sheeples that have great soil for the hope of God to be nourished in us. So you're, you're all sheeples. <laughs> to that, um, I want to have us come to the table. and We'll take the elements back and receive together as we pray.